Hi there, this is Meredith, and you're listening to Migration Patterns. Today, uh, we're speaking to Yella de Rock. He's an architect in Ottawa who is originally from Belgium. That's right, Migration Patterns is on the road and recording on location in this episode. Yell and his wife moved to Ottawa from Brussels in 2015. Since then, Yell's family has grown with a new baby. He's also deepened some hobbies such as guitar, road cycling, and picked up some new ones. Yell and his wife Natasha moved to Canada because they were looking for a place of community with their family. Yell and I have known each other for quite a while. In fact, he's my soon-to-be brother-in-law. So, welcome. What do you think of when you think of home? Oh, what do I think of when I think of home? Um, that's a very interesting question, and I knew we were going to ask it because I've listened to your previous podcasts. Um, but when I think of home, um, to me there's a funny feeling because I felt like we had to leave home or leave Belgium to be the family or the people that we wanted to be, which kind of felt strange because Belgium is not a place with a lot of trouble or there's no wars or big things happening. And yet, for some reason, I still feel um, that I had to leave Belgium to find happiness. Mm. So thinking of home, there's like a, a mixed feeling. Obviously... I grew up um, in an awesome family, um, playing a lot of sports, doing cycling as a kid competitively. So thinking of home, I will never forget the like, tiny villages, winding roads. It always smells nice, like fresh bread. Um, you know, yeah. So I think that the small scale... Yeah, the smaller scale of Europe in general, and definitely for Belgium, that's what I think of when I think of home. It's very modest. That's and an so interesting word. That's a, had, to me, both has a comforting and a limiting hmm. connotation to it. Do you feel like Canada isn't modest? or I'm curious about uh, modest. Yeah. What is modest? Uh Canada, to me, isn't modest, or I, I've always had the feeling that there's more opportunities here. Um, there's definitely more space here. Everything's bigger. Uh, roads are wider. Distances are longer. Um, but the fact of moving to a different country and a different continent, also mentally, you get rid of the modesty. It's a very, like, it's a bold move, and there's no choice anymore to be modest. You either don't do it, or you go all in, and then you stop being modest, which I think is very interesting. That's a very interesting experience mm-hmm. that I might didn't realize maybe when we decided to move to Canada, but it definitely is an all-in kind of move. Yeah. And it either works out or you try all you can to make it work. Or I think you might be back in your home country very soon. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. I guess at the beginning, it's um, like, what are the practicalities 
but then how does one mentally prepare for yeah. that kind of shift? It, the, one of the weirdest experiences moving was that you get reduced to the picture on your passport for a couple of days. So you have a career uh, in your home country, you have a good job, you have a family, you own a place to live, and then you move and everything. you leave everything behind. And the only thing you have is a passport and you can go to Service Canada and apply for a driver's license and a SIN number. And then from one document, you go to three documents. And then with a driver's license, you can apply for other stuff. And then you start building it up again. But your identity kind of gets reduced to one single document for a little while, which is a very uh, foreign idea yeah i think that would be a lot of things like exciting to start fresh Mm -hmm. um humbling yes (laughs) because no one knows what you accomplished before Mm -hmm. and uh terrifying (laughs) yeah definitely yeah all in one little picture yeah huh cool Yeah, I guess like since you moved then, have like you've been here for two years now. Yes. Uh, have you found that sense of community that you were originally looking for for your family? Absolutely. Yeah? Yes. Well, in general, I always had the impression like getting to know you and coming to visit you um, in Edmonton over the past couple of years. I've always had the feeling that there's a sense... Uh, there's a bigger sense of community. Everybody generally is friendly to one another. Uh, there's a sense of like kindness. We always felt very welcome mm. when we were invited at other people's homes or when we went for drinks with your friends. Or um, And we found the same thing here in Ottawa where really quickly you, you start off um, on good terms, mm. um, people will give you a chance to become their new best friend. Uh, you don't have to fight for it mm. necessarily. Um, obviously, you only get one chance to be nice to them too and to be grateful that they invite you to your house. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely very different. Well, what's it like in Belgium? And that's it's for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Belgium and especially maybe living in Brussels for the last, well, eight years before we moved to Canada, um, it's a lot more anonymous. People keep a, ver- a much bigger distance to one another, I find, or becoming someone's friend or making new connections. There's a lot of hurdles and, and I feel like a lot of um, effort into having just an open, normal conversation. Hmm. Um, we might not invite a new person or a new connection like immediately to our house. We might go to a bar a couple of times. We might not hug each other the first time we like see each other. Or there's just a lot of steps that need to be or need to happen to become someone's friend Mm. which feels foreign or like it's that's just a waste of time like why not just be 
open about it and happy and mm-hmm. um, give that other person the opportunity to just be the friend from, from day one. Yeah. Like, why does it take a year to be accepted in someone else's circle? Yeah. I, a couple things spark from that for me. Um, I once spoke to a lady who was from Germany. She lived above me in Lacombe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she, one of the first things she said to me is she felt like Canadians were um, superficial mm-hmm. because we were so open at yeah. the beginning. And that was unnerving for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, has that been different for you? Well, sometimes I also think if you, well, I'm not going to call it migrate because that's the name of your podcast, but <laughs> if you move to a different place um, and you, you know no one, like we, when we arrived here, we had two suitcases and zero connections. We couldn't call anyone. Uh, we couldn't ask for help to anyone. So anybody who offers help or anybody who invites you over for breakfast, you embrace it as much as you can. And I think from that, just that attitude alone, mm. you do make a lot of connections and it's not superficial. Look, or I, I never felt like people were friendly just to be friendly. It was always genuine. Um, or maybe I wanted to believe that it was genuine because <laughs> it was the best thing we, we had. But uh, no, I never felt that it's superficial. Well, that's good. No. And then the second thing I thought of when you were talking about that was like space. And that kind of segues into architecture later. Mm-hmm. But um, do you find maybe with Belgium, because people live in such close quarters, like there's 10 million people in Belgium and it's, it's a much smaller country yeah, than Canada. the size of a shoebox. <laughs> yeah. I think you can fit 23 Belgiums in Alberta alone. Probably, In yeah. this space. I yeah. figured it out once. <laughs> um and then is that maybe why people are more guarded because they're in each other's face? And then here, I like, I don't know. Not necessarily. Because okay. if, you, if you would live in the Netherlands, uh, it's the same culture, the same language even. And it's the flip side of the Belgian attitude. Mm. People sit in their front yard and talk to everybody who walks down the street. <laughs> They give comments, they ask what's in your grocery bag. Really? Conversations happen just randomly all the time. And yet, Belgians are the opposite. Oh. We, we hang out in our backyard. We build big fences or, yeah, boundaries. Huh. So we don't have to talk to our neighbors. I don't think it's a, it's a space thing or how much space you have available. But there's definitely some, for some reason, this big necessity of privacy and hmm. defending your, your bubble. What is your philosophy on architecture? And I almost want to go into public spaces, but maybe that's too large of a question. (laughs) Well, I think space is great for infrastructure, but it's bad for the quality of architecture. Mm. Um, And when there's too much space, um, the biggest space invaders are developers. And then why 
why cities get built or how they get built is just because of how fast we can build it. So there's no, um, how do I say it? There's no battle for that one, one single open spot in the city that everybody wants to build and everybody focuses on and everybody wants that to be the best new building uh, which happens in Europe, like once an old building gets demolished and everybody's eyeballing that new available lot mm-hmm. and quality becomes a very big issue and there's a lot of uh, politics involved in making that new space the best space, best new space in the city. I feel like in North American cities, there's so much available space that all developers just do what they want as fast as possible to make more profits and it goes against architecture, which to me is about quality of space, the human scale, and being smart hmm. about what you do. Uh-huh. So I think, just in general, I think architecture, the best architecture is, is the project with the highest amount of limitations. So having a lot of space available and money available it's goes against quality. So what have you noticed as um, major differences between like, we'll say Belgian homes and Canadian homes in terms of architecture? <laughs> There's no vestibule in Canadian homes. What is a vestibule? Like when you walk into the <laughs> front door. Oh, like there's the a second room? door to oh. uh, go into your living room, which yeah. I've always learned at school is that's the number one thing you do because there's a cold breeze coming from uh, outside and you don't want that breeze to be in your living room so you oh, build yeah. a vestibule you build two doors one to enter your house and then the second one to enter your living room and I, I just assumed that oh, Canadians must have like three doors because it's <laughs> minus 40 outside in winter so when you open a door the cold air gets in so you want another door and then another door to be in your living room and it's the exact opposite people just walk in the living room and it's minus 40 outside yeah and then you're sitting on the couch and you get yes, a breeze yes, down your, in neck. your neck. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> What else have you noticed between Belgian homes and Canadian homes? Um, I think houses are bigger and the backyards or front yards are smaller. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, and it maybe come, like goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but there's almost no fences in the backyards. The first house we rented in Ottawa, there was not even a fence between our neighbor's yard. So their dog and their kids would play in our backyard. And when we would be barbecuing outside, we would just chat to them and say hi. And yeah, it almost felt felt like uh, having a picnic and just mm. be out in the open and people can see what's on your plate. Yeah. And that might be a little awkward <laughs> for us Belgians, but actually yeah. I, I kind of prefer it that way than to have this big, big backyard where nobody can see you and it's kind of isolated. Yeah. 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 I don't see the point of, of isolating yourself when you're eating outside. But Yeah. I find Canadians aren't uh, very intense about uh, how their garden looks either. And that it's might... also hard. Yeah. Like... Half of the year it's covered in snow. Yeah. Um, I also don't think the the soil is very 
helpful to make beautiful gardens. Like mm. uh, it's not like a Japanese garden or the French rose garden. Like that just doesn't work in this climate. No, I don't, I don't think so. Plus, it's super hot in the summer too. So anytime we try to have flowers, they just burn <laughs> <laughs> in the summer and they freeze in the winter. So yeah, I'll already gave up on yeah. <laughs> having a nice backyard. Those who have a nice yard really put their heart and soul oh, yeah. to it, I think. And it's like they start fresh every year. Yeah. Our neighbors are a retired couple. And in the summer, they easily spend three hours a day each mm. maintaining their garden. And it looks nice. Yeah. But does it look as nice as the nice garden suite? I, I know from Belgian families... Not really. Yeah. So. Yeah, Belgian people have beautiful. But, I mean, for them, it, I think it's therapy more than the looks. Yeah. Yeah. Because having a having a garden and gardening is great. It's true. Even yeah. if it looks crap, it's, you're still outside <laughs> being working with plants and yeah. thinking about it. So. Getting your fingers dirty. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so kind of to switch gears here. Um, you mentioned that you cycled competitively in your youth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, could you like explain the uh, Belgian cycling, I don't know, community or? The Belgian cycling community, I think it's, it's just so ingrained in who we are and what we do. Um, maybe similar to hockey mm. in Canada. Mm-hmm. Our childhood heroes or if you hear conversations between your dad and your grandfather about that heroic race that happened when when my dad was eight years old and my granddad was maybe like 32 mm-hmm. um, and they watched it on tv and I mean all our heroes are cyclists so what do you do when you're eight years old yourself you ask for a little bike and you you play Eddie Merckx and just to please your dad maybe or but that's what all the kids talk about and mm-hmm. before you know it you're actually in a cycling race yourself <laughs> and and it's the same thing with soccer oh but yeah I think the real heroes are cyclists okay yeah well I mean it's just so darn tough yeah to cycle and it hurts and it hurts again and it hurts again. But the guys that actually win races are, yeah, they're warriors. Um, but it's just what you grow up with. Like that's I think how culture works. You grow up with heroes and stories, and you reenact those stories, or you, I don't know, wear a jersey of somebody you like, and then, yeah, strive for that. Strive for that. And yeah. That's how it perpetuates into being either a cycling country or a hockey country. Or yeah, I feel yeah. like cycling is growing in Canada. But do yes. you? Yes, <laughs> yeah, I feel so too. Well, it's the sport in general is, I think, used to be very European, mm-hmm. um, and now it's getting, it's really getting more and more international. I mean, Ottawa is an awesome cycling community. Um, most of our most of my friends now are cyclists, and I met them through joining cycling groups. And there's like really, 
I think, great just cycling communities in general. Mm-hmm. Did I you see. have instant cred when you went to the cycling group here? Oh, yeah. Being Belgian. Being Belgian, <laughs> is, it's, it's really interesting. But even being Flemish. Oh. The, well, Belgian is... The northern part of Belgium is Flanders. The southern part is Wallonia. And, I mean, the cycling community in Flanders is so much bigger than the Wallonian cycling community. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Being a Flandria in cycling means being BA. Yeah. Yeah, you're just badass if you're nice. called a Flandria, yeah. which is uh, like the toughest cyclist you can imagine. There's an annual like Flandria um, award cyclists win, um, competitive cyclists. So yeah, coming here and seeing guys with... Uh, Belgian jerseys, Belgian socks, Belgian shoes, um, even guys with tattoos from really? like Belgian tattoos or the like the symbol of Flanders is a lion. Mm-hmm. Like there's even guys with on their uh, on their legs they have like the big lion tattooed just because they're diehard cyclists. Wow! And then if you show up and say you're from Flanders and you cycle, well, you yeah. You don't have to pedal to earn your credits. Like really, that's just yeah. Oh, that's neat. It's really neat. So, is Flandrian? What's the difference? Is that a purely cycling word? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm looking for a similar word in other, maybe sports, but maybe it's like comparing if you're. If you play soccer and you're from Brazil, Mm -hmm. it's probably similar. If you cycle and you're from Belgium. Oh, okay. I think it's, everybody can cycle, but only Belgians know how to. And everybody can play soccer, but I think only Brazilian, Brazilian soccer player really knows the game. Huh. So, cool. it's very similar. Yeah. What uh, architecture projects are on your bucket list for Canada? My bucket list? Ooh. Um... I'm not sure if I even have a bucket list. No. It's it's interesting. The The more I practice architecture, the more I enjoy just doing it. And I think there's, to me, there's value in dealing with the right people in the right setting and building in the right community. And so all those factors have to come together to make an awesome project. And so I could say that there's a museum on my bucket list or there's uh, maybe a memorial space or a cemetery or I think that's probably like the project that I gravitate towards Mm. is creating spaces that are just makes your jaw drop, not because of the spectacle or the um, the size of it, but just the quality and the, the atmosphere that those spaces breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could say, yeah, I could say a memorial space, but it might just not come together because not the right people are involved. Mm-hmm. And I might find the most joy in designing someone's yoga room in their house. Just because that person knows exactly what they want and there's an open conversation with me and that person 
to what that space means to them and then I can get to work. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I try not to put things on my bucket list because there's some luck involved in getting all the <laughs> parameters lined up so you can actually do awesome work. Yeah. So then there's no real differentiation for you between like public space and like a home or a private space. No. Then? No. Not at all. Just... Even like to me, working on a ten thousand dollar project is the same as working on a hundred million dollar project. Mm-hmm. It's all about the quality of what you do. But big, big or small, there's value. It's the same value mm-hmm. that I get out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is the value like facilitating people's? lives or quality of life or um whew, now we're getting into <laughs> the value or... of architecture <laughs> or just to you how do you feel well part of it part of the equation is definitely helping out people part of it is leaving behind something that's beautiful and timeless part of it is leaving behind a tool that for that people those like the client or a certain community is like the Swiss army knife, like yeah. the thing that they need and that's tailored to them a hundred percent. Cool. Um, part of it is personal too. Like I like, I like beauty. Um, I like balance. I like compositions and I'm proud of the work that I do. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely fulfillment, personal fulfillment in the projects that I do. Yeah. It's not all sur- like, it's not all a service to the client. It's also, I leave a big chunk of myself behind in those projects. Yeah. Um, which makes it really emotional too sometimes. So when things don't work out, it's like a, a big, um, yeah, sometimes I take big hits emotionally just because it didn't work out. And I already invested a lot of myself mm-hmm. into what I've done. Mm-hmm. Um but that's, I'd rather do it that way than to dissociate myself or my emotions from the work that I do. Yeah. So I couldn't get hurt, but then there's no gains either. So. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of emotional investment, mm-hmm. you just had a child. Yes. <laughs> little baby boy. Little baby boy, little Wolfgang. Yeah. Have you noticed, I know it's really early in the game, Mm -hmm. but have you noticed in that journey any differences between fatherhood in Belgium and in Canada? Or Um, what was even that experience like here in a a different country? I think being European, um, it's definitely different being a man in Europe than being a man in Canada. Mm. Um, And maybe that's where um, yeah i'm I'm not worried, but it seems to be that being a man in Canada is more one dimensional or more based on like you gotta be strong and loud and um it's not that subtle mm. I feel like. European men come in all kinds from very uh, quiet and yeah deep conversations to 
the the loud and the the boys and the going out and partying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always struggled with finding good guys to hang out with because mm. I'm definitely not the loud, obnoxious party guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being a a dad and having a young boy. I'm I'm curious to see how it's gonna pan out or how he's gonna find his his spot on the spectrum of what a man can be mm-hmm. and how I can help him with that. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely early days. It is. <laughs> but I hope to have a lot of good father-son conversations and hikes and building a fire and just talking about emotions and with him. Yeah. I really like to learn him to open up and just speak speak up about what he feels and yeah not be shy yeah yeah that's healthy mm-hmm. i think there's definitely an issue with that and mm-hmm. the conversation is coming out more and more in canadian yeah. culture but it's pretty early days for that too mm-hmm. and uh, i see generational differences as well and how that's approached yeah. so young mm-hmm. young wolf is the the next generation yeah 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 and do you think it, he'll be like a hybrid of like Canadian and Belgian or you Ooh. think identity will uh identity wise I just hope he's himself yeah. and he's a to me he's a kid of the world um I don't want to think too much about who he needs to be or wants to be or has to be mm-hmm. uh, I'll let him figure that out nice yeah good well thanks This is a great interview. (laughs) Great. That was fun.